Crafty Radio, episode 158, on March 28, 2010. Welcome to Crafty Radio. It's a big effing deal. I'm Greg Weiss. And I'm Jeff Bear. Let's explain the big effing deal thing real fast. It's kind of a subtle one. I don't think it's that subtle. I mean, it was, right. it was big, big news. It was, I'm an idiot. I missed it. So it explain was Joe it. Biden you know, said right. that about the health care bill. The microphones picked him up in the background of, right. of Mr. Obama. So what should we be well, drinking start. first? Let's drink this one first. We're doing right. uh, Belgian-style beers tonight. Belgian-style beers. Only one of them is actually from Belgium. And this is the one. Yes. This is La Chouf. It is from, let's see if I can get this uh, horribly uh, wrong. Brasserie Achouf. <laughs> anyway. Works for me. 8% alcohol by volume, 16 degrees Play Doh. Suggested server temperature of 4 to 10 degrees Celsius. Uh, that's 50 to 55 degrees Fahrenheit. The label, the label is all Americanized for me. Thank you, Be United, the importers, for fixing that. Unfiltered blonde beer, which is re-fermented in the bottle as well as in the keg. Basically, it's a Belgian blonde ale with spices. Yeah, so one of their, you know, their famous... Ooh, that smells good. That smells good. Their, their famous beer is Oublong Schuf, right? The mm-hmm. hoppy Belgian IPA. One of the first, you know, there was Uthrol, who did the beer called Hoppet, and then the the uh, De Schuf Brewery did Oublong Schuf. Um, those are the first two. Now there's a bunch, right? And we're going to drink one of those tonight. We've got the Flying Dog um, Raging Bitch, which is a beer in that style. Mm-hmm. But uh, De Schuf was one of the ones who pioneered that. So spice with coriander, you can definitely smell that. I'm a big fan oh, yeah, of... Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't get it at first, but after a good swirl, I'm getting coriander. I'm a big fan of coriander as both a spice and as an herb. There's um. There's a licorice type aroma in there too, like some anise or something like that. I'm getting a big, a heavy, like darker than coriander, like a licorice side of it. You can taste a little bit. Of it in, 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 you can taste a little bit of that in the taste. There's a some a somewhat anise-like mm-hmm. flavor uh, in there. It's um, it's a it's a pretty uh, high. It, it tastes like a triple with spices, right? I mean, there's a lot of uh, sweetness in there. There's a lot of carbonation. Um, the alcohol on this is eight percent, so it's a little on the higher side. So you think of triple when you're starting out with this beer, and then add some coriander to it. It's, it doesn't have to me the the peak sweetness that a triple has. Okay, uh, it, it's not quite as sweet. So I wouldn't go. I mean, I'm thinking because of that Millennium Triple. You know, I just mm-hmm. kind of I just finished that. That, that five liter that mini keg. five liter mini keg uh, lasted a while. Lasted That's a good, good long while in the fridge. That's good. It ran out of carbonation most of it pretty quick, but mm-hmm. it still worked. You know, still lasted a while. So I, you know, remember that distinctly in that you know a, a pretty high level mm-hmm. of sweetness. Whereas this is is muted in terms. Of, okay. I mean, it's there, but it's definitely it's not the star. The star is more um, the the Belgium the, the malts I think, and and the spices. It's a pretty high in carbonation. Mm-hmm. Now I'd say it's about a four SRM. Got a lot of yeasties floating around in my glass. Greg's is a lot clearer, I mm. think, because he was the top half of the glass, yeah. So be gentle with this one when you pour it. Let's let's trade, because I want to see what it tastes like with the yeast. I like it better with the yeast. 
The yeast adds a little bit of, um, well, it tastes, I thought, yeah, it's a little, it makes it a little bit muddier, but it also, um, kind of balances out some of the, some of the peaks. Yeah. It's not, a, it's not as spicy. It's not as hot. Right. And actually mine tastes colder. That's weird. Yours tastes somewhat warm and mine has a cold feel in my tongue. That's strange. The silver bullet, man. I do like this beer. This is the Petite bottle, the Petite Le Chouf. 11.2. That's 330 centiliters if you uh, speak metric. Or, no, I'm sorry, 330 milliliters. It's 33 centiliters. Now, this is um, Shelton Brothers, right? No, B United no. brings this oh, one in. okay. Another importer. They're out of Connecticut, and uh, they bring in a lot of Belgian beers as well. I don't have that list available in front of me, and I don't want to wager guesses, but... You see the name on a fair amount of things. I like it's a silkscreen bottle. I, I, I like silkscreen bottles. They have the you know nice sort of texture to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the regular old bottles that just have labels on them. You can use them for more stuff later. But uh, I just yeah. like silkscreen the way it looks. Yeah, silkscreen bottles. It's it's a little bit. I don't know. I'm a little torn on it. They are nice, mm-hmm. but it's a little bit of excess, right? Why they cost more, and then you know the passing that cost on to you, the consumer. Is it really worth it the, to the consumer, right? How often are you going to have a Le Chouf? I mean, you know, I don't – I like this beer. I'm not going to go around and buy a case of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. But I might buy a six-packer and have it. Yeah, the Southern Tier used to do silkscreen bottles for their big beers, their 22-ounce bottle beers. And um, starting a couple of years ago, they stopped getting them silkscreen, and they get these clear plastic labels that are the same artwork. They look nearly the same, but you you know you can peel them off, and they're presumably cheaper. Does that change my opinion of Southern Cheer as much? Actually, it's better because I get to reuse their twenty two ounce bottles for homebrewing. Right, but you know it, I'm kind of torn on the silkscreen thing. They look nice, and if you're putting them up on your display case, that's cool. But again, I don't want them to pass the extra cost of getting bottle silkscreen onto me. Well. You're paying a premium for the fact that it's craft beer anyway. Right. So do I want to pay double premium? No. How much – is it really double for not, a silkscreen? Double the price. I mean, it's probably you're 10, and, 20 cents right. at most. Okay. I, I don't I don't see the problem with it. I think it's a, it's a weird thing to be angry about. I'm not angry about I it. I sense a large amount of anger coming from you. you anger hard. leads to the hate. Hate leads to suffering. All right, we warmed up with the Belgian, and it was a little bottle, and now we're going on some bigger bottles. Oh, what would make sense to go next? This is a whip beer. Let's do this one. All right. Scratch 22 from Trogues. We did a scratch beer last week, right? Yeah, last show, we did uh, we did their um, triple, quote-unquote, triple IPA. And uh, this one is a whip beer from Trogues. This is number 22. And uh, I believe you have some information for us. Uh, it's from Trugs. That's all I got. Oh, okay. So we talked about these scratch beers a little bit last week. These are uh, the marketing material says that these are homebrews or beers they made when they were figuring out what to do with Trugs. Um, a little bit more truthful is it's also beers that they're just playing around with new ingredients and whatnot. So we don't know if this one is a early Trogues prototype or if this is um, some kind of new ingredient 
or just testing a new formula. And we have the age-old question with wit beers to... Mithef or... Uh, yeah, Mithef or not have to flocculate or not to flocculate. I'm not sure flocculate would be the right term there. Probably not. But do you pour the yeast in or not? So we're going to taste it without the yeast. Mm-hmm. And we save a little bit in the bottle, and we're going to add it later just to see how it changes the beer. This is, according to Beer Advocate, 5.5% alcohol by volume. Good, good wit beer aroma. You get the smell of the orange peel, coriander. Another one about a two or three SRMs, likely. No, it's very nice golden. and light. It's pretty clear. When we pour it carefully, it's pretty clear. And, uh, yeah, good aroma. A little more on the coriander than, than on the spices in the in the orange peel. The flavor has a lot of orange in it, though. A lot of orange in the flavor. A little, a little bit of a um, slightly acidic twang at the end, mm-hmm. too. I've been reading Brewing with Wheat. Stan Hieronymus' new book, which we're going to have on the show sometime, quote-unquote soon, as soon as Jeff gets around to lining it up. And I'm reading about uh, wit beers and, you know, the the creation of Who Garden, you know, with Pierre Sellis back in the day and beers before that. And a lot of these wit beers had a lactic twang to it. Lots of lactic fermentation happening in the wit beer world hmm. back before... World War One, and then after you know, after the war, before Hoogarden really got off the ground, uh, it's it's pretty fascinating book so far. And again, I, I'd like to try to read most of the book before I have Stan on, but my schedule is such that I'm not sure that you know he's not going to want to talk to us by the time I get through the book. So we probably <laughs> should line it up before that. Uh, Hoogarden is a uh, you can find it most places and. To our surprise, I think when we did a Whitbeer show a while ago, it it's ruled the roost. The um, reading this book though, there's I've, I've seen it mentioned once so far in the book, but I've heard it from other people outside the book where Who Garden isn't the same Who Garden that it used to be. It used to be a lot better. It's still pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it's still pretty freaking good. And pretty freaking good. This one is there. I mean. It's a little bit light in the mouthfeel, I think. Yeah, I was just going to say, there's a ton of spice there, and it, it might be lacking a little bit of the wheatiness, right? The the wheat body, a little bit of that wheat twang, you mm-hmm. know, it's really just a spice bomb, right? Wheat leaves, wheat, uh, leaves kind of a drier mm-hmm. mouthfeel than barley, and um, a little bit a little bit chalky, I guess you Ch- could say. Think of a chalky lemonade. Yeah. So, a chalky lemon, something like that. That's, that's what you get from the wheat. And this one is just all the oranges and the spices and the coriander. And the body's a little bit light on it. But it's still a very tasty drinker. It'd be hard to find this. This is not brewed anymore. This is their 22. They're on like 20... 27. Seven. A chocolate stout. That should be interesting. Time to try this mitef. Yeah, let's add some... Uh, let's add some fungus to your beer. Nice and cloudy now. Mm-hmm. Now that looks like uh, it somehow seems to have gotten lighter <laughs> in color. Well, that's though. that's one of the reasons that this is called a white beer, right? A wit beer, yeah, is because the yeast in this thing. I mean, it's not white. Yeah, it's still yellow. It's it's goldenrod. It's very hazy. But think of a lot of the dark beers of the day because you know grain wasn't malted and roasted and dried. They're dried over fires, right? So they had darker colors than they do today so most beers were brown or darker so when you came up with this beer which is very reflective and very 
hazy and opaque. You can see why it's called a white beer. That adds the requisite body to the beer. It does. It takes away a lot of the spice, though. That's true. So you're, you're trading fullness with all this yeast and, and, and gunk in the bottom of the bottle for the, 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 the spicy bite that you used to get beforehand. And it's 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 a somewhat difficult trade off to make, you know. They're both good beers, I think. They're both good beers. I think the uh, first way we had it was more um, more memorable. Right now, right now it's clean, but there's nothing really going on. It's just kind of yeah, it's a wheat beer. You know, it's, it's not spicy. It's not coriandery. Yeah. It's just weedy i mean the thing is adding the yeast just adds more stuff and makes it muddier it's just it, it's the mm-hmm. the way it works so you're going to lose some complexity from the the flavors because of that. it's good either way i would say without the yeast on this one if you had the preference i guess we pull this around it's seven and a half percent this is the let's see if i can uh butcher this one correctly the liberal 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 Unibrew Quattro Centennial. This is their uh, now Quattro Centennial. Uh, okay, I had it. I had it wrong here. Right. The Quattro Quattro Centium. Centium. Yes. Yes. Uh, Two hundred and fifty years. No. No. Four hundred years, my friend. This oh. is the four hundredth anniversary of of Quebec City, and so they actually balance four spices in there, one yes. for each century of Quebec City's history. This is another silk screen bottle. Look at that. It has a shield, probably the uh, city shield of Quebec, I would guess. There's a boat and some keys and a crown and, and uh, you know, French. You know, French. Cajun corked, 750 milliliter bottle. It cost me uh, $12 here in Pittsburgh uh, last year when I got it. Last year? Yeah. I've had this one for a while. I don't think it's two years old. I think it's just a year old. In 2008, Quebec City, so it's two years old. Pour is very clear, very light golden, big fluffy head. It's kind of beer where you like watching the little nucleation points, you know, spawn those bubbles through the beer. Pouring this in an Unibrew glass with the little laser etching at the bottom would really be pretty. But we're drinking at glasses that don't have any good nucleation points. Greg's getting more, Greg's glass is dirtier than mine. Look, he's got, got more bubbles than I got. It's your glass, man. Yeah, I know. I did a bad job of cleaning Greg's glass, I guess. Or there just could be tiny scratches. Yeah, or more scratches, one or the other. There's a little bit of a tartness there. I'm trying to figure out some of the aroma. It, it again smells like a wheat beer, right? There's a lot of. I'm getting a lot of that yeah. lemony chalky that we talked about earlier, you know? It smells more spicy than weedy to me. Okay. They say four spices, so I imagine that could be contributing to my to my senses there. In sixteen oh eight, Samuel de Champlain arrived on a ship bearing the name Don de Dieu, which is their wheat beer, to establish a French colonial empire. He named the settlement Quebec K E B E C, a native word meaning where the river narrows. This strategic location made it the scene of major battles that raged for over a century. And 400 years later, 
we have a beer. There, there's other stuff here that is is more historical speak than marketing speak, but I'm not going to bore you with it. Uh, the but this bottle says nothing about the beer other than it's seven and a half percent alcohol by volume. Wow, that is nice. Well, well, well. Is it worth twelve Pittsburgh dollars? It may just be, Jeff. It may just be, especially if you like ginger. Ooh, that's spicy. In a sub, in a, that's spicy in a surprisingly subtle way. It comes on and then it kind of mellows real quick, and it's right. not overpowering. Definitely ginger in there. There's no question about it. And with ginger, a little goes a long way. There's probably coriander in there. There is other spices. Yeah, that's good. That's um, it. It, it tastes like a um. It's hard to say. The spices really throw it off from giving a, a starting point for listeners. I would say it tastes like a, a Belgian golden ale. Um, something like Duval, something like Brooklyn Local One, but um, cleaner than Brooklyn Local One. And then, you know, add in a little bit of coriander and a pinch of it ginger. Maybe grains of paradise? Grains of paradise. That, that, that's very likely that it's in there. Did you see the Good Eats that where uh, Alton talks about grains of paradise and he says he uses it in a pepper grinder and he's replaced pepper with grains of paradise <laughs> no. on his table? It's interesting. Pepper's so good, though. I don't know how I can – I mean, I love it so much. Yeah, I like pepper. I'm, I mean, I've had grains of paradise, but never tried to season it with food. Like on a, like, but, you know, he buys the little grains of paradise berries and he grinds them in a pepper grinder and spices food with that. Fresh ground grains of paradise. I'm a Piker, Piper Nigram guy all the way. I love pepper. Pepper is such a wonderful compliment to pretty much everything. And yes, it even goes good on ice cream. That's interesting. I never tried it on ice cream. It goes great with Yeah, Alton ice was cream. talking about um, getting Grains of Paradise and said how it's a little tricky, but he can get it online. I was waiting for him to say, you can get it at the homebrew store. You know, that would have been <laughs> great you know, if he would have plugged homebrewing. But. A little bit of the yeast character is coming through a bit, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's, it's that, in a yeast, it's that kind of. There's a little bit. I, I was looking for that, right? Because. For listeners who've been with us a long time, they know exactly what we're talking about. Um, other listeners might not. So let's go back and talk about it a little bit. Unibrew. Maybe we should go back a little bit farther. Unibrew is unibrew, pronounced more correctly than unibrew. Right. right. But not correctly enough as a Frenchman would say it. Right. Because uh, <laughs> we can't say it the proper way. Because we're not good at French. Yes. Um, they use... A Belgian strain of yeast, and most of their beers have a house flavor. And it was a house flavor that took me, I'm not sure about Greg, he can speak up on his opinion, but it took me a long time to learn to appreciate it. It tasted very muddy, very dirty. It tastes like earth. And I didn't dig a lot of the Unibrew house flavor for a long time. It took me a while to get into it. Do you have a similar experience, or what do you think about the Unibrew I was fine with it from the beginning. I didn't really have a problem with it, but you know... Everyone's taste buds are different. Everyone has different reactions. Right. I think, like, we both are big fans of, say, well, I'm not a huge fan of Rogue's Pac Man yeast. I think it's right. kind of, I think it's that, that, that one, I'm still trying to, you know, get my head around. Yeah. I Whatever agree. Three Floyds uses, they well, use. Well, I was just going incredible. to say, if you didn't bring it up, you know, we talked about the, um, 
Carl Strauss beer it had that Three Floyds flavor, right? right? Three Floyds has a house flavor. And, you know, we're all over the Three Floyds house flavor. And then, you know, that's one that we love. And then there's the Unibrew, which took me a while to get used to it. I'm fine with it now. I think Unibrew makes great beers. But like lager flavors, it took me a while to get used to Unibrew Belgian ale flavors. That's just the way our, our tongues are going to evolve. It's the first time you have caviar, as another mm-hmm. example, it just tastes like salt. Right. You're not going to taste the subtleties. The first time you have any anything like this, you're not going to coffee. taste coffee, cheese, beer. You're not going to taste the subtleties. You have to train yourself to understand it. It's that whole uh, Eskimos have 40 words for snow thing. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's just that they, they don't have 40 words for snow. They have one word for snow, but they have 40 words for different types of snow. Because right. they're experienced. It, it, that's a great analogy because, you know, we have 40 words for different kinds of hoppiness, you know, mm-hmm. from cat pee to, to grapefruit, you know. and But if you just have never tried a hoppy beer before, the first thing, you're not going to taste any of those. You're not going to be able to tell the distinction. Mm-hmm. It just takes some time to train yourself to under, to understand the distinction. Right. Very good. This is good beer. 400 years. Forty years in the making. I'm a I'm a big fan of this beer. I like it a lot. And you said it's two years old, so it's probably not going to be exactly very easy to find. Yeah, yeah. You'd have to be cellaring it for a while. It's one that we had, and uh, okay, that was the Inubru Quattro Centenami Centium Centium. Yes, the T I is the the inflection, the emphasis. It's probably like Centium, Centium, yeah, who knows. Alex, Alex, do you still listen to our show? I haven't heard any feedback from you for a while. If you do, send me an email. How do you say the Unibrew Quattro Centium? It's too bad because actually Unibrew's page has, their English page has a nice phonetic pronunciation, like uh, what we would pronounce as Maudit, Maudit. Uh, well, no, we would pronounce it Maudite. And they pronounce it Mudit. Mudzit. Mudit. They say Mudzit here. Is there a Z in it? Yeah. Mm. I didn't hear a Z when... We actually had a um, French-Canadian listener. I don't think it was Alex. I think it was someone else who I haven't heard from since he sent in the stuff. But uh, he pronounced Don de Dieu and uh, Mudit. Don de Dieu. And uh, anyway, I don't want to waste too much time on this. Okay. The triple? Or I don't the... want to do the, the hoppy... Uh, yeah, let's do the, the raging bitch. Okay. This is from Flying Dog. They graciously gave us a case Actually, Flying Dog didn't. Oh, the, well, they're the wholesaler. They're wholesaler. Pure wholesale in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And Ed. Ed Har- Harbach? Uh, I think that's his last name. Ed sent us... Um, well, Ed said he had some Flying Dog he could give me. And I was expecting a couple bottles. And it was like three quarters of a case that, you know, he had opened and, you know, taken, you know, it wasn't a whole case. So they couldn't right. sell the type of thing. So thank you, Ed, for um, for the Raging Bitch. Um, they're the guys that um, also do 21st Amendment. And that's when I met most of those Fuhrer guys when I was hanging out with Sean Sullivan from 21A. So I have a lo- actually a lot of information on this sucker. This is a... Look at the a, golden color on that. It's nice. This is their anniversary beer, their 20th anniversary beer. 20 years, flying dog. Nice. 8.3% alcohol by volume, 60 IBUs, 18 degrees Play-Doh, 
to use an El Diablo yeast. El Diablo. El Diablo. What's the devil? Dry hopped with Amarillo's. <laughs> Jeff just did the cross. The sign of the cross, yes. Specialty bottles were 60L crystal. I don't know what the L stands for. 60 Lovabond. It's, it's, Love it's, a, it's a medium roasted crystal malt. And hopped with Warrior Columbus. Like a 30 is a light and 120 is a dark, so it's a medium light crystal malt. Okay. Hopped with Warrior Columbus and Amarillo. So Warrior Amarillo, pretty high alpha Columbus. This is, a, I'm not sure if you said it, but it's an American hopped Belgian beer. It, it's like Oblong Schuf and Hoppet, which we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. It's like the, the Stone Kelly Belgique. It's like the East End Ugly American. Who else makes an American Hop Triple these days? It, it, they're proliferating. Everyone, everyone makes an American Hop Triple. This smells so good. This just smells awesome. Like this spicy, hoppy mess. <laughs> it does. It. it does smell like a spicy, hoppy mess. I mean, in, can we, how can we use mess in a, a complimentary uh, term? Because they were trying to. Yeah. Um, it's just a. It's 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 a uh, four car pileup of hops. Mm-hmm. It, there's a. It's not so the hop flavor overall. It, it's hoppy, but I'm getting a little bit of sulfur. I'm getting a little bit of. I, I would. Oh, what words work properly? It's not cappy. It, skunk is a bad word because when hops get struck by UV light, they get skunked, and they have that similar flavor of exactly like skunk. But it's not that. It's it's just this very that'd be iso- pungent. That'd be isoprenal mercaptan. Yes, that's it. So it's not isoprenal mercaptan, but it's a skunky-like punches, pungentness. From the alpha acids, I'm getting in this. I'm getting some wicked, pungent aroma. Well, give from it a taste. The, the flight has changed the way this beer tastes to me. I mean, when I had this beer before, it tastes a little bit different than it tastes right now. It tastes like an American IPA now, right? Because our tongues are used to Belgian flavors. So the Belgian flavors are minimized and... And the hops are what are stealing the show right now. There's still a little bit of Belgian sweetness there. Now, I'm getting an interesting hop flavor, especially late in the flavor. I'm not getting all American. I'm getting some very spicy continental type hops, you know, European continental type hops I'm getting on this thing. And now, Gregory the Hoplist, I don't think he said things like Hallertau or Zotz, but I'm getting flavors like that. Interesting. I'm getting a, a strong Amarillo. Cross with the Columbus. I think the Columbus, um, which you say gives you more of a grapefruit, I say gives me more of a kind of orange pithy. We we like go back. You, mm-hmm. you and I have a different on Columbus and Cascade. We kind of switch. Uh, now that you said Amarillo, I, I'm dialing in, and, and I can taste Amarillo, and I can taste orange pith in that for sure. It, it's it's the orange pith of. Crappy out of season oranges. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's not the really sweet navel oranges. No, you're, that are no okay, I, I get it. Yeah. You know, when you have those oranges that aren't very sweet and you get the pith off of those, that, that's what these ones taste like. Which is not to say it's a bad flavor. No, it's just, but it's just well, if it's an orange, it's a crappy orange. In a beer, it's not a crappy beer, it's just a crappy orange. 
of the beers we've had, particularly if you're in uh, America or the East Coast at the very least, this should be the easiest to find. Yeah, this will definitely, out of the entire show, this will definitely be the easiest to find. But it's a 20th anniversary beer, and I'm not sure if they're going to make it again. They made a lot of this beer. Yeah. So it's still on the shelves. You'll be able to find it. But I don't know if it's going to be a seasonal or a regular or what. It might be a one-time only thing. Once it's gone, it's gone. Um, we should talk a little bit about the name in the label. It's called Raging Bitch. And and God love um, Flying Dog for doing edgy stuff. I was shocked they got label approval for this beer. It's another Ralph Steadman piece of art. But you can see the dog's labia. Yes, you can. And it's sticking out there. And, and her teats. They're kind of withered because she's not with. Well, remember, I mean, right on their main, on on what what is it? Their um, road dog, they on, have a good on, beer, no shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the ACL, uh, they got they got special dispensation to say good beer, no shit because it was on the art and not, which is weird because the tracks and trade bureau is retarded, and that they would distinguish that that's part of the art. Art has no place in beer labels as far as I know how they operate, so I don't know how they swung that one. But this has a dog's labia on it, and it's engorged, and um, she's a raging bitch, and she's in heat, and she wants she wants some, um, you know, pregnated. And I am surprised that they got that label passed, especially since, like, I keep bringing it up, and I don't want to beat a dead horse, but East End Brewing could not get label approval for beer, a coffee beer called Eye Opener because it did not literally cause you to open your eyes. Um, that was false ad- false advertising on a beer label. But this one has a dog's labia on it. <laughs> you know, I think that they just they looked at it like it had artistic merit. And I can I can understand that because I think it does. I Flying Dog has <laughs> they're giving kickbacks to the TG beers. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I mean it, from from the beer that got that got the approval to have good beer, no shit on their on their label, I'm not surprised they can get Raging Bitch approved. And I do think that the, you know, although it's a weird and not a, you know, it's not a romanticized drawing, it's, it's definitely expressive and it has an artistic flair to it. Mm-hmm. And that is enough, I think, to let it, to, to, to have it go through. Yeah, I don't want to, oh, ding, I don't want to be too hypocritical because I don't want to spend hours on a beer label. I'm just talking about the beer itself, right? Because we always say that labels are the marketing department and we only care about the real beer. We didn't talk about the color of this beer. This is more around, uh, what did you say, a nine? SRMs, we got a comment. I'm not sure if it was just to me or if you got it too, but people were, one person was, you know, the whole Play-Dohs and the SRMs, they don't make sense to them. So this is just a rich Golden. Yeah, I don't understand Play-Dohs flavor. either. This is just a rich golden fla- color. I just give it because I have the information. It, it, it's filtered. It's super clear. It's a beautiful beer. Good head on it. Look at that. I got lacing on the glass. See, Greg's glass is dirty. He doesn't have lacing. Sorry. Triple the ripple. This is a beer that uh, Rick Sizemore from uh, Newport, Kentucky, just on the other side of the river from Cincinnati, brought when he came out last summer. This is from Brugge Beer. It's a brewery in Terre Haute, Indiana, where Ted Miller is doing a whole bunch of Belgian beers. They don't have much of uh, information, and they, their web page is more of a blog than a, than a page. So I couldn't really get any information about the beer, but that's what I was able to get. The only thing I know about Triple the Ripple, Triple D Ripple, 
is uh, the Good Beer Show out of out of Indiana has had this beer, and and they uh, they gush gush about this beer. They gush. They gush. Well, let's see if we gush too. A lot of head on this sucker. It's a darker golden color. It's more along the lines of say. Slightly cloudy. It, it's still gold. It's not as rich as the uh, Flying Dog was. Flying Dog was a rich orange gold. It kind of looks like a mead. Mm, that's that's a little vague. Meads can have lots of different colors. It is very vague. Uh, it's just a gold nail. I mean, it's a little cloudy. It's I can't see Greg through the glass like I could with the last beer. Ooh, that smells... It, it, it's going to take us a while to dial into this beer because it's a lot more subtle than the Raging Bitch was. The Raging Bitch was in your face, hops. And in hindsight, we would should have drank these in the other order. But um, I'm getting, first off, well, I'm still trying to calibrate to a more subtle beer. I'm getting a good maltiness to it. It's, uh, what do I want to say? My subconscious is spitting out in the back of my brain, cinnamon toast, cinnamon toast. I'm not sure that's right, though. I'm just giving like my unfiltered impressions. <laughs> Give it a taste, and I think your cinnamon toast is accurate as long as you include honey on there as well. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and when you said cinnamon toast with honey... I got this thing on the like front of my tongue, actually. They just can't finally came through this really slow chemical reaction on my taste buds that tasted just like honey, like honey on toast. And it comes later. It definitely comes um, after the beer has a chance. After you swallowed, and the beer has a chance to aerosolize, and you get that honey flavor mm. later. Uh, the, the first thing you taste, though, I mean, I agree with you on the cinnamon toast. Uh, idea, man. I haven't had cinnamon toast in a while, and it's so good. Why haven't I had cinnamon toast in a while? I don't while, know, Jeff? man. I don't know. A little bit of butter on there. The cinnamon. I got sugar. a new beverage for you to try in the post show. A new beverage. A new beverage. I got this tea. It's a tea that's smoked over pine wood when it's dried. It's awesome. All right. So tune into the post show if you want to do the first craft tea radio. <laughs> That's not going to be our April Fool's show this year? No, no. We're going to do it for real. We're going to do it for real because this is good tea. I I like it. I, I like this beer a lot. It doesn't really give you much uh, in the aroma, but uh, the flavor is, is really good. And I, I really do enjoy the, the honey kind of aftertaste. Well, it's, we keep saying honey, and I just want to clarify one thing. It doesn't taste like a mead. It doesn't taste like fermented honey. It tastes more like fresh honey. Maybe with a slight bit of fermentation, but most of the flavor is... Real honey, real mm-hmm. sweet honey. It's not like the the chalky, thin. That sounds derogatory um, or disparaging. Uh, it, it's not like mead. It, it's more like unfermented honey. Like that that whole honey on toast thing is very apropos for this. I just had to say that because when you say honey, do you mean before or after fermentation? You know, it's hard to to get that across. Honey on toast. Honey on, this beer is honey on toast with cinnamon. It's as apt a description as I can think of. It, so think of other triples. Is there anything in the ballpark on this one? I'm thinking like a West Mall has the body but not the honey flavor, right? Because West Mall has a pretty full-bodied triple. 
It's so hard for me to remember beers like you do. You have a much better. I, I, I can catalog like flavor profiles of beers. Yeah, yeah your 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 taste memory is much better than mine. Need so, more pyramids and shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a uh, tune in the last week's post show if you want to know what that was about. The disaster that was last week's post show. <laughs> That's a way to sell it. <laughs> I guess it's ranking time. It is ranking time. Uh, before we do that, this triple the ripple. The more, ooh, I don't like that flavor I just got. I didn't get any different flavor. Uh, I was gonna say it's really. I mean, other than the sweetness is starting to build, and if I had to drink a bunch of this, like if I was splitting, the, if I was drinking the seven fifty by myself, too sweet. If I was splitting it, yeah, uh, I get three, kind of like a hot pineapple. If I was splitting it three or maybe four ways, that's good. But Greg, in terms of alcohol. Yeah, Greg and I, I don't think we're going to finish this bottle. We're only a little over half. We're about halfway empty. And uh, I don't want to finish this because the sweetness is just building and building and building. Yeah. But if you get a small enough sample, you get a six-ounce sample. It's a um, it's a very tasty. But be, beware beyond six ounces, I think. The sweetness is going to get a little cloying. I agree. It's starting to build into something that's not really that great. Mm-hmm. Oh well, that does that does factor into the ranking, though, right? Because its overall drinkability is is pretty much what our ranking typically boils down to, right? Overall enjoyability and and um, interestingness. Occasionally, it it also is uh, if we're doing a style show, it, it it's how it matches up to our expectations of the style, right? And this one's Belgian, so it's a very vague, yeah. Very vague. All right, I worked out my order. All right. Should we go from bottom to top or top to bottom? What do you think? It's up to you, man. It's your order. Tell me. Tell me. I can't choose. Bottom to top. Bottom to top. Okay, so. Oh, ow, that hurts. Oh, hard luck loser. I didn't realize this was at the bottom of the stack until I looked at it, right? Because I rearranged all the bottles. So this is just saying that all the beers were good. Um, Fifth place, I'm going to put the Raging Bitch. I think it was... Hindered by the fact that we had drank it after several Belgian beers, and the Belgian character was kind of lost on us. I it can tasted, see some tasted of that. hoppy. So I'm going to put him as the hard luck loser. In front of him, I'm going to put the uh, Le Chouf, spicy uh, go- Belgian pale ale, Belgian golden ale, good flavors. In front of him, I'm going to put the uh, triple the ripple, the one we just drank. Uh, I knocked him down a spot. Because he was getting cloyingly sweet at the end, and you just can't drink more than I would say five or six ounces of that. I think that's the perfect serving size. It's a twenty-two ounce bottle, Jeff. I know you need four friends, five friends. Uh, then the the Unibrew uh, Quattro Centium, Quattro Centium. Uh, really enjoyed that. I uh, so did I. Good beer, lots of good flavors. The ginger, the, the, the presumably coriander that was in there, very clean. It wasn't quite as drinkable as the Trogue Scratch 22. I'm going to put that as top beer of the night. Uh, without the yeast, uh, it was lacking a little bit of, of body, but I really thought it nailed the spice profile of a wit beer. It was really drinkable for me. I could drink a fair amount to a lot of that beer. It was... It really sang home to me. When you added the yeast, 
it gave it the body and took away the spices. It's really a trade-off. I would have to say drink it without the yeast, preferable. And I think we're starting to see that that is the majority of whip beers. Drink them without the yeast. Yeah. I mean, typically, I agree. it's a rare whip beer where the yeast improves it. This is not going to be a show where we agree on the rankings. Oh, I mean, the more I drank the triple de ripple, the less I thought of it. And that, to me, equals number five on my beer list. Sure. So, I mean, I should drink a beer and continue to enjoy it. I should not start to dislike it as the more I drink it. That is not the that, sign that, of a great that, beer. That's a problem. I, I, I think you're right. And if you went first, you might have influenced my ranking. I'm going to stick with it for now. But you're right. I mean, if you can't drink 12 ounces of a beer because it's too sweet, then that's that's an issue. Uh, I'm going to put the scratch one next. You're number one. I'm going to put number four. I just felt it was... I mean, it was very clearly a scratch beer. It was, you know, it was a test and it wasn't fully. It didn't. It didn't have what I expected out of it. Wasn't production quality? Yeah, right. Sure. It, it seemed to, it. It was lacking in something. It was like you know, without the yeast, it was lacking something. With the yeast, it was lacking something. That's a good point, also. So, that's a just, very. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. Where. If it's not perfect either way, one of these other beers, like the Unibrew, might deserve a higher ranking. Right. Sure. Uh, I would say the the three beers, the other three beers were, were pretty close in my estimation. Well, at least the, the, the number two and number three were close in my estimation. Uh, I'm going to go with... I'm hesitant, but I'm going to go with Raging Bitch as a third. I think that I really enjoy Raging Bitch a lot. Uh, it's it's a very enjoyable beer. Probably because of the flight, it wasn't as enjoyable as I have had it without. If the we did beers. all American Hop Triples, you know, it's Belgi- of, Belgio it, IPAs, it, it's definitely my favorite Belgio IPA I've ever had. If you right. want to call it that. Uh, I really do enjoy the style, but you know, the other Belgians kind of usurped it in terms of quality, I think, mm-hmm. and, and just the, the kind of overall Belgianiness, if you want to use that ridiculous term. I'll go with La Chouf as my number two beer. Started out the beer, and it was just very good. Just a very, very good beer. You know, it had the coriander spice that I always enjoy coriander, and I was very, uh, very happy with it. Mm-hmm. But uh, my number one, I think by a fair margin, was the Quattro Centennial. I really did enjoy the uh, Quattro Centennial. The, the, the beer that we can't pronounce. <laughs> I really enjoy the, the ginger flavor and the other spices that were coming with mm-hmm. it. I thought it really it gave something that none of the other beers really gave, which was the, this this big sense of like, this is, a, this is a special beer. This is something that was... Uh, you know, made for a purpose, and it was. I mean, it's a four hundred anniversary beer. Mm-hmm. It it wins, in my opinion, and uh, it it kind of it it uh, it was the obvious winner of the others, in my opinion. Good show, lots of good beers, no bad beers tonight. Thank you, everybody, for listening to one hundred and fifty-eight. That's right. 
148 episodes spectacular. Yes. Springtime in Belgium. <laughs> Are we sure that's what we're going to call it? No, we're not sure. Right. That's, that's the front runner right now. Right. Big effing deal. Thank you for listening to Craft Beer Radio. If you have questions or comments, you can email us at beer at craftbeerradio.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Visit craftbeerradio.com for more information. The opening and closing music is Last Hurrah, the band The Lights Out. You can listen to more of their music at their website, thelightsout.com. Some people get a longer fuse. Some people's shoulders are big enough to the abuse. They never say what you can't hear